Okay, let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this morning. And Lord, we praise you for who you are and for what you have done. Lord, we thank you for everything that we have learned so far and how you have revealed your will and your plan to us through time. And Lord, we pray that as we conclude this uh, equipping class today, that you will bless us, you will help us, Lord, to see our relationship to you and where we fall in your grand plan. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good morning. Today is week 12, and this will be our last class of the Covenant series. And by God's providence, we are ending at number 12. Okay, so there you go. Um, so we have uh, looked at a lot of things, so let's do a quick recap. As you know, that uh, this slide is not new. We have looked at the slide, the biblical narrative, for many weeks. But again, a quick recap: we started all the way at covenant, cre the creation of covenant, uh, the covenant of creation, and traveled all the way to the new covenant. And if you have missed any of the previous classes, you can find the link or the recordings at the bottom of your handout. Um, so make sure you catch catch up on those. But Today, we want to look at something or pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we saw the two different dominant systems in understanding the covenants, the dispensational theology and covenant theology. And what we said is there are different understandings. Dispensational is more discontinuous in their understanding or in their uh, relationship of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and covenant theology is more continuous. So on the spectrum of discontinuity to continuity, dispensational falls on the discontinuity side, and covenant theology falls on the continuity side. So if you missed it, you can always catch it with it uh, on the recording. Um, but at the end, we said, now, in light of these two understandings, we have to understand what is the church. Because if you remember, uh, dispensational theology sees Israel separate from the church. They are two different entities, and the promises are also different for each entity. That is what dispensational theology, dispensationalism, believes at its core. But when you come to the covenant theology side, you can see that covenant theology believes that Israel in the Old Testament is the church in the New Testament. There is no difference. It's just the same thing that's being carried on. And that's why they also uh, argue that just like circumcision was the sign of the Old Covenant, baptism is now the sign of the New Covenant, and how in the Old Testament the fathers and their children, they were all baptized, uh, circumcised in the same way in the New Testament the believers and their children are baptized. So that is what uh, covenant theology believes at its core. So now the question is, so what is the actual understanding of the church? Who is right or who is wrong? Or is there another way to understand it? Which is what we will try to look at today. And on the roadmap, we are today at the church. Okay, so we've traveled all the way and we've looked at all of the covenants and today we will look at the church. So, what is the church? The first thing to understand is throughout 
time, God has one people. If you remember, we looked at the covenant of redemption before time even began, that this was between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where the Father um, covenanted with the Son to give the Son a people, and the Son willingly took on the task of winning their salvation, and the Spirit applies that salvation to God's people. So that was in the covenant of redemption. Okay, so that way, God has had a people all through time, okay? And he knew exactly when each person would be born and how they would be uh, in relation to time and where they would be. This is in Acts 17. Paul, in his um, discourse at Athens, he says that God decided the boundaries and the times that people would be born. So God decided all that even before creation. So God has one people that he knew even before creation that will be his people, his elect. Okay, so that's something that we have to keep in mind when we understand the church also. But the one people of God, they are differentiated by the covenants. There were some people who were born in the old covenant, and there are, some, there are many other people who are born in the new covenant. Okay, so they are differentiated by the covenants. In the old covenant, Israel was the co covenant community. In the new co covenant, the covenant community is the church. So there is a little bit of difference, and we'll see more about it, but all are God's people. All are God's elect. Okay, They're just differentiated by time and space. If you know about time and space, you should have read Kevin's email. He spoke about, a lot about time and space. So we people in God's plan are differentiated by time and space and through covenants. So what is the difference? Let's look at the difference between Israel and the church. Israel was a mixed community. You can see this in Romans chapter 9 and 6 where Paul says, Not all Israel was Israel. Right? So what he means by that is not all of the people who are in ethnic Israel were God's people. Okay? So it was a mixed community. But the church is not a mixed community. The church is the community that is united to Christ. And you can read this in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, where Paul says, this, these are the people whom Jesus bought with his blood. Okay? And if you want to read more about it, I wrote an article about three months ago about what is a church. You can find that on jpcross.org. Um, there is an article about how do you identify a church? What is a church? Okay, So the church is a regenerate community. It's not a mixed community. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, you entered into the covenant through birth. If you're born a Jew, then you are in the covenant community. In, you are in Israel, you are in ethnic Israel, you are part of the covenant community. But in the new covenant, into the church, you, are, you enter it because of new birth or rebirth. Okay? That is what Jesus said in John 3, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So the difference is, and this is where you also have to see how there is a difference in the relationship to the covenant head. In the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant, you are related to the covenant head by birth. 
okay, biologically. Abraham and his children, all the Israelites, David and his son, and also Adam, Noah, all of them, they were re related biologically. But in the new covenant, you are not related biologically. You just don't happen just because your parents were Christians. You don't become Christian. Or you don't become part of the new covenant community. You are related spiritually. Okay? Those who have the spirit of God are the ones who are part of the new covenant community. So you're related spiritually with the covenant head, Jesus. Okay? In the Old Testament, there was no heart transformation. Okay, you see that, that's why in Deuteronomy 30, uh, God says through Moses that you, your hearts need to be circumcised, which did not happen in the Old Testament. And that's why in the New Covenant, we see that uh, God says, I will give you a new heart. I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In the New Covenant community, there is heart transformation. And also in the Old Covenant, there was no indwelling of the Spirit. If you, uh, you can hear, you can hear more about this in the class that I did on the Holy Spirit about two years ago, I think. It's on the website. So if you, can go, if you want to learn more about it, you can uh, check that out. But in the Old Testament, the indwelling of the Spirit was not there. But in the New Testament or in the New Covenant, God's Spirit indwells people, which is what Ezekiel also says, that I will pour out my Spirit into you. Okay? So these were some of the differences between Israel and church. But you have to remember that both are saved through faith. There are no two different ways of salvation. The, the effects or the impact or the experiences of people across covenants are different, but, but both are saved through faith. Abraham believed and that was accounted to him as righteousness, not his works, okay? And you can go through all of the Old Testament people believed. Everyone, and even Paul says it very clearly in the New Testament, anyone who is saved is saved through faith, okay? So even though the experiences were different, but all were saved through faith. So this is a little bit of an overview. So let's look at a little more about what is this new covenant community? Okay, so where do we get more description about the new covenant community? And this is where we will turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, where God first talks about, not first, talks about in a little bit more detail about the work that he will do as part of the new covenant. So if you turn to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 29. Oh, my eyes. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I think this is okay. Uh, okay, Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 29. And again, this is the chapter. This is the place where God is telling Jeremiah that I will establish a new covenant. So look at me. look with me at... Uh, verse 29. In those days, it will never again be said, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Rather, each will die for his own wrongdoing. Anyone who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. Okay, so what is this referring to? So this is a parable and you will see this parable also in Ezekiel where God tells what he is going to do. So if you remember, 
the old covenant was led by the leaders, right? So the leaders, the priests, if you needed to go talk to God, you needed to go to the priest. If you needed to go worship, you needed to go to the priest. If you wanted to hear from God, you needed to go to the prophet. If you wanted God's rule, then you needed to go to the king. So everything was governed by leaders or by representatives. And the people, the way they communicated with God were through these leaders. And that is what uh, Jeremiah is saying in this short parable that in, the, in those days, um, the, it will not be said that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So the leaders were held accountable. And that's why if you look at Ezekiel uh, 34, God gives an uh, indictment on the shepherds. You have led the people astray. And then you will also remember in Matthew chapter 23 how Jesus is, um, has a huge diatribe on the Pharisees. And then finally, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather your children? Okay, he's talking to the leaders. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which is Jerusalem is the euphemism for the leaders of the covenant community of Israel, right? How often have I longed to gather your children, but you would not? Okay, so that is what was happening in the old covenant. But then God says, no, that will change. And Rather, each will die for his own wrongdoing. Anyone who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. There is no more leaders. Now you will have direct access. And whatever you do, you will be accountable for it. Okay? So you're responsible for your own actions. And you will be accountable for your sin. You cannot say, oh, the, the priest said it, and that's why I did it. So it's not my fault. It's the priest which sometimes happens today in the Catholic Church, okay? It's not mediated through leaders. If you remember Numbers 11, um, where Joshua comes and says, look, there are so many people who are prophesying in your name, and he tells that to Moses. And Moses is like, Joshua, are you jealous? I wish, I desire that everyone will be prophesied, that everyone will receive the Spirit, and everyone will prophesy. That was Moses' desire, and that is what happens eventually in the New Covenant, where Joel says, um, where God says through Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And in, at Pentecost, you see that happening, and Peter stands and says, this is what the prophet said, right? So um, you're not mediated through leaders. It's not like the covenant with their fathers. So let's continue reading here. Uh, this is verse 31. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant they broke even though I had married them. The Lord's declaration. Okay, so this will be something new. It will not be like what God did with the fathers or with the Old Testament people. It will be a new thing. That is what God is saying. And he goes on to say that I will put, uh, this is verse 33, instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will place my law within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, 
for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them, the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. Okay, so this is what God says will be, will happen in the new covenant. And this, he's talking about the people, right? I will put my law into their heart. Who are, who is this people? Who is there in this? It's the new covenant community. It's the new covenant people. Okay, the people who will be part of this new covenant will have the law of God put in their heart. And no longer will each one have to say, know the Lord. And that doesn't negate me standing over here and teaching, <laughs> but it's more about savingly, right? We all believe that we are, we have repented and confessed our sin and believed in the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So everybody in the church, we know that we are in the new covenant community because we're not going to tell people, repent and believe for otherwise you will die. That's not how we exhort each other because we know that we have already done that. Okay, we know the Lord savingly. Okay, our exhortations are different, but it's not in um, the way to uh, be born again, because we know we are born again. And the way we exhort each other now is, in light of your salvation, how we should live. Okay. Also, we spoke about this quite a bit, and when we looked at the new covenant, the new covenant is marked by forgiveness of sin. Okay, uh, we spoke a lot about this in when we looked at the new covenant. And also in Ezekiel, he says that I will put my spirit into them. Okay, I will put my spirit into you. So these are the people. This is what marks the new covenant community. Okay, they're going to be responsible for their own sins. They're not going to be mediated through, through the fathers. And um, it's not like the covenant with their fathers. And also the law God's law and God's spirit will be in their hearts. Okay, so there is a difference. It's God himself says this is not like what happened in the olden days with the ancestors. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you can see a whole exposition of how the new covenant is better. It's better. It's not the same, but it's better than the old covenant and how it is different. So what we want to conclude is the church is not, this, not Israel. Okay, the new covenant community is not the same as the old covenant community. Because God himself said, this is something new. There are differences in the people. There are differences in what God has done in them. And there are differences in how they, are, they relate to God. Not through mediators, not through leaders, but direct access. Any questions? So the question is, didn't God put his spirit to people in the Old Testament? Yes, God gave his spirit and the spirit of God came upon people, but that was for a special task. There was no indwelling as we experience indwelling 
throughout our lives. It was for a special task that Samson was empowered. And after that, um, he didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling like how the new covenant community. Seth? Right. Yeah, that's a good point, Seth. Seth made the point that all of the uh, spirit coming upon the people in the Old Testament was upon the leaders. And in many cases, we see that the spirit of God came upon the leaders to deliver the people or for any special task, like for the building of the temple. Uh, they, the, the person who was building the temple was empowered by the spirit so that everything God said was done exactly the way God said. Seth, again. I will say it's mostly the leaders who are given. Uh, there may be instances, I mean, nothing comes to mind right now, where there might have been uh, the Spirit of God coming upon not the leaders, but typically it was on the leaders for a special task that they were carrying out. Okay, so this is the New Covenant community, and this should help uh, our covenant theologian friends um, to see that, no, it's not the same. It's different, right? And in this, probably, we lean a little bit towards the dispensational people to say, no, they're not the same. Israel is not the church, and the church is not Israel, or the same as Israel back in the Old Covenant community. It's different. We are a new community, okay? And that's where we will go to, to see that we are a new community. And now, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 22, sorry, 11 to 22. Okay, I'm not going to read everything, but I just want to give you an overview of this chapter. So Ephesians chapter 2, we all know it very well for the first 10 verses. Right, where Paul starts with, you were dead in your sins. And then finally, in verse 4, he says, but God. Okay, So that's, he's talking about our individual status, what our individual status was before God, in verse 4, acted. Okay, And then what happens after he acted is what the rest of the six verses are to say that we are now saved through grace, uh, saved through by grace through faith. Okay? Now in verses 11 to 22, he's talking about the same thing, but not individually, but corporately as a group of people. So he turns in verse 11 and he says, um, so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, done by hand in the flesh, at that time you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, with no hope and without God in the world. Okay, this is very similar to Ephesians uh, 2, 1 to 3, where he says, you were dead in sin, you uh, and the enemies, uh, let me just read that. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the worldly age. And he goes on to say more that how 
we were far from God and we were actually dead in sin. But here he turns and he makes the same argument to the Gentiles to say, you were far from God. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. Okay, so this was the state of the Gentiles. And just as he says, but God in verse 4, he says the same thing in verse 13, but now in Christ. Okay, you, can, you should see the parallel there. But God, who loved us with a great love, uh, in the same way, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off, far away, have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. In Christ, the Gentiles are brought near. Brought near to what? For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Okay? He broke down the barrier, which means there is no... The people who are far off are not far away anymore. They are now into the into God, in Christ. They are brought near, and he has made both groups one. And he goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He did away with the law of commandments and regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. So one new man, the word man could also be translated as humanity. So Paul says that Jesus, by his death and by his blood, he tore down the barrier, the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. He tore it down and now with both the Jews and the Gentiles, he's made one new humanity. Okay. Okay, let me continue reading. He did away, yeah, okay, there. Um, verse 16, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it. When Christ came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So again, you had Gentiles who were not part of the covenant. Because if you remember, all the Old Testament covenants were with the Israelites, Abraham and his children, and with the house of Israel, and the descendants of Jacob. All the covenants that God made were were with the Israelites. And God says, I have chosen you out of all the nations to be my people. So Paul says that you Gentiles, you are far away, you had no hope, and you were without God in the world. But now in Christ, you have been brought near because of his work. Okay, and now what Christ has done, he's broken down the wall of uh, hostility, and he's put both of them together. And now there are no two separate people there is one new humanity. Okay? There, you cannot say that you had the Israel and the church and they're different. No. In the work of Christ, both have been brought near and there is one new humanity. And finally, he says, both have access 
in one spirit to the Father. It's not just the Jews, it's not the, just the Israelites who have access to God, which was how it was before, and the Gentiles were far away. No, both have access in one spirit, not in two different ways, but in the same way. They have access to the Father in the one spirit that he has poured out upon us. And that means that there is no separation of Israel and church in the new covenant after the work of Christ. The promises that were to Israel are now also of the Gentiles. Everything now comes to both the, the new covenant community, which comprises of both Jews and Gentiles. There's no distinction, and which is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, there is no Jew or Greek or Gentile. There is no male or female, right? And in that sense, everybody now has access to God. And whatever God's blessings are, both groups or both communities, if you want to call it that way, all have access to the Father and to his promises. So this should help us look at how dispensational theology looks at Israel and church, that they're both separate and God's promises that were made to Israel are still pending and in the new kingdom, and the new heavens and the new earth, when Jesus comes back the second time, all the promises that God made to Israel will come to be, that they will get land and all of those things. No, in Christ, there is one new humanity. There is no separation that these people get some promises and the others get different promises. No. Everybody has one spirit and they all have access to the Father and to the promises of God. Yes, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Rahab and Ruth, yeah, too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So in the Old Testament, when you had Gentiles like Rahab and Ruth come into the covenant or into uh, the covenant community by, by joining the Israelites, was that a foreshadow of what was to come in the new covenant? Yes, very good question. Hold on to that. We will come back to it. Okay. Anything else? Uh, any other questions or comments before we go to the next slide? Again, it's, it's not a, I mean, it's something amazing. As I was studying this this week, I'm like, my goodness, God, you are so awesome, right? And look at what God has done throughout history. He said this would be different. And in Christ, he's brought all people together. Okay, in him, in Christ, we have access. And that's why the book of Ephesians the main theme of the book of Ephesians is in Christ, our union with Christ. What is 
what is ours because of our union with Christ. Chris, you were in the Simeon Trust Conference. The melodic line is in Christ, union with Christ of Ephesians. Okay, um, so I think, we sh I think we have a way where we can say that no, Israel is not the church, just like the covenant uh, theologian friends believe. It's not the same, it's different. It's new, it's a new covenant community. But then we can also look at our dispensational friends and say that no, the, everybody has access in one spirit to the Father. There are no two different peoples in the new covenant and eventually there will be no two different people right there will there is one new humanity which is what god has done and all have access to the father in one spirit so then what is the answer to the question of how do we understand the church and israel they're not the same and they're not different so what is it So anybody, what is, how should we understand the relationship between Israel and church? Yes, Rick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's a progression from natural Israel to spiritual Israel because Christ is the true Israel. Okay, so that was anybody anybody else? How should we understand the relationship between Israel and church? Seth? Okay, so Israel is fulfilled by Christ. Christ is the true Israel, and Christ then gives uh, everything to his church. It's very simple. I think you've heard it many times. The answer is always Jesus. Okay? So the answer is always Jesus. Anytime you run into a tough question, answer is always Jesus. We are to understand the relationship between Israel and church through Christ. Okay, And Seth, you were right in saying that, yes, Christ, Jesus, he is the true Israel. I said that first. You also said it. Yes, Rick, you said it too. Okay, I'll give you credit for something else. <laughs> I can hear a voice, but I don't see anybody. Who is it? <laughs> All right. Yes, Rick, you said you, you added that on towards the end, and I forgot about that. Yes. So, yeah, so the way we look at this relationship is always through Christ. And I think this is where a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, the different systems sort of uh, err, or, I mean, I won't say they, I mean, okay, I'm going to say it. They sort of forget Christ. <laughs> Right? They only look at Israel to church. They make the jump from Israel to church. 
but you cannot come from Israel to church without going through Christ. Okay, you have to go through Christ for everything. It's the same thing when you look at the laws in the Old Testament. And we will not have time to touch on that this class because there's just so much. But if you're interested in, do, should we follow the Old Testament commandments? I wrote two articles on it. It's on my website. Uh, go read it. But the main thrust of that argument is everything has to be brought to us through Christ. He is our covenant mediator. And if you remember when we looked at the New Test, sorry, New Covenant, I said we don't get anything without Christ. Okay, nobody, somebody had to fulfill all of those promises that were left unfulfilled by the previous covenant mediators, by the previous covenant heads and the previous covenant community. Okay, so they were broken, starting with Adam all the way to David and even the kings that followed. They all were unfaithful in their covenant. So those cannot go undone. Right? They needed to be fulfilled, and that is what Jesus came to do. He came to fulfill, and he fulfilled everything. We spent a whole class looking at how Jesus fulfilled all the covenants. Okay, So Jesus fulfilled everything, and everything now we get is because of our union with Christ. Okay, So Jesus fulfilled all his promises, and then he makes his people the recipient of those promises. And his people are those who are united to Christ in faith. Not biological, but spiritual. And this is where we also, and this is how we also understand what God said in Jeremiah 31, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Who is Israel? Jesus Christ. He is the true Israel. And who or what is his house? The church, the new covenant community. So in that sense, when God said, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, since Jesus, he is the true Israel, we get, we become his house. And we'll look at, a, we'll look at that a little more in one of the slides coming up. But through Jesus is how we are part of the new covenant. This is something that we said we will look at. Probably I said it three classes ago, but finally here is the answer that everything comes to us through Christ. Everything that God promised from, from creation all the way to eternity, everything comes to us through Christ. And we'll look at that a little more. And it's always God's plan. And Chris, this is your, the answer to your question that you asked. It's always been God's plan to include all humanity. When God made Adam, there was no Israel or Jew. God said, go, be fruitful, and multiply. Multiply not as Israelites or as Gentiles. No, just multiply. Humanity. Adam also means hum human. So go make more image bearers. Go multiply and Edenize the whole world. Okay, which is what Adam failed to do. And then God started His plan, um, which was predetermined, of course. And eventually, that's been God's plan. Even in the Abrahamic covenant, God said, "Through your seed, 
I will bless all the nations. Okay, all the nations will be blessed through your seed. That's been God's plan from eternity. God, remember the first point that we looked at today, God has a people across all times. Even before time began, he chose a people to be his own. And those people have been in time uh, across all time. Okay, so in that sense, all humanity was God's plan. And again, I wish we could spend more time in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. There's just so much there. And Paul says, this is the mystery that was not revealed in the Old Covenant, but is now revealed in Christ, that he has made us one. Okay, so if you, if you get time, go, go and look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And finally, in verse 10, he says, through the church, God's manifold wisdom is displayed to the rulers and to the authorities in the world. Okay, through the church, God's wisdom is displayed. Okay, so this is the relationship and everything that we look at, all the covenants that we have looked at. Where are we today? I mean, if you remember, that was the main premise of this class also. And finally, we save the best for the last. Uh, what is our role? In the very first class, we said that we are part of the new covenant. We are not part of the old covenant, but we are part of the new covenant. And how are we part of the new covenant? Through Christ. Through Christ, we are part of the new covenant. Through Christ, who fulfilled all of God's commands and all of God's requirements, and who won for us all of God's promises. And in Christ, all of God's promises are yes and amen and ours. So finally, what is the church? The church is the restored Israel. Okay, as Paul said, not, is, not all Israel was Israel. And then in Romans, he also alludes to Israel of God. Okay, so the church is restored Israel. We are the children of Abraham. Galatians 3.7, those who believe, they are the true sons of Abraham. Okay. We are God's own possession. If you remember in the uh, Sinai covenant in Exodus chapter 19, he sa we saw the purpose of the Sinai covenant is for, for God to make a people for his own possession. That was something that was the purpose of the Sinai covenant. And Peter says that we are God's own possession in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. He also says that we are the royal priesthood, and that was also part of the Sinai covenant. He's, God said that I will make you a kingdom of priests. And Peter says, no, we are, not no, but now we are God's, uh, we are the royal priesthood. Okay, so you don't need specific priests anymore. All of us are priests, and we have direct access to God in one spirit to God the Father. And we are God's kingdom, we are God's nation. Same thing in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5, he says, I will make you into a holy nation. And 1 Peter 2.9, he says that we are the holy nation that Christ has made. All because of how we are united to Christ, through faith. We are God's new temple. 
Okay, this is something, I mean, if you go back to the temple, started all the way in Eden, right? Eden was a sanctuary. It was a temple where Adam communicated with God. And throughout the Old Testament, you see that the tabernacle was commanded by God, and then um, you have the temple. But then in the New Testament, Jesus says, destroy this temple, what was he talking about? Himself, his own body. Okay, so he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. So Jesus was the true temple. And now in Jesus, we have become the temple of God. That's what you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, you are the body of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And also in 1 Peter 2, 5, he says, we are all as living stones being built into the house of God. Christ himself being the cornerstone. Okay, so we, the church, is God's temple. And finally, as we said in Ephesians 3.10, we are the wisdom of God. Okay, God has chosen to show his wisdom to the world through the church. And this actually puts a lot of emphasis on who we are and what we are called. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, live a life worthy of your calling. Okay, so that is um, what, where we are. We are the wisdom of God, and we should not be like Israel, who defiled God's name among the people. Instead, we are called to glorify him in everything that we do, whether we eat or we drink or whatever we do, we are called to glorify God. Okay. So the church is God's new creation. Jesus, we, when we looked at the new covenant, we said how Jesus was the first fruits of the new creation. Okay, we compared to Genesis, to his birth, and we said Jesus was God's, the first fruit of God's new creation. And now in Jesus, we are all part of new creation. And that's why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the old is gone and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So again, there is a lot more to talk about the church. Again, we, we looked at the capital C church as in not a particular congregation, but all the whole church, which is the new covenant community. That is what we looked at. If uh, there is a lot more that can be understood, we're only scratching the tip of the iceberg, um, but there's so much more to study if you want. And also you can dive deep into a local church, a congregation, an assembly, you can, that is something that you can focus on. Also, it all falls under the topic of ecclesiology, but the church is God's new covenant community, and we are, we have access to the Father in one spirit through our covenant head, Jesus Christ. And if we are not united to him in faith, then no, we don't have access. We are not part of the new covenant community. It's not through birth, but it's, it's a spiritual connection through faith where we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Okay, So let's look at our roadmap again. We looked at all of the uh, different covenants. I think we looked at every single one of the um, major milestones. There's one left, new heavens and new earth. So let's quickly look at that before we close. The new heavens and the new earth, the church is a preview 
The church is a preview of the future. Okay, people from all tribes, all tongues. This is what God, God's original plan was, to get a people to himself. And he's revealed that through the way, way he has interacted in time, that eventually in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be people from all tribes and all tongues. And that is what you see today in the church. Example, right here. <laughs> okay, so... Um, there, the church is the preview of the future, of the last days. The church will receive the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus said, you will inherit the earth, those who are uh, God's children, right? So you, the, the, the church, we will inherit the new heavens and new earth because of our union with Christ, not because of anything else, but because Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, we who are united to him will inherit the earth. And the church will reign with him and will fulfill God's original plan. Anybody? God's original plan? What we have looked at all across the covenants? It's to rule the earth as his representatives through obedience. Okay? So we will reign with him. We will rule the earth as his representatives because we will be his people and through obedience because there will, no, there will be no sin. So we will be totally obedient to God and this was what God wanted to do even in the Garden of Eden with Adam. Okay, Be my representative. Go and rule the earth. Subdue it and multiply. But the question is, before we close, what about now? If we, the church, are the preview of the future, aren't we also supposed to rule the earth as God's representatives? Yes, we are to rule, but how do we rule? And we don't have to wonder because our covenant mediator, our king, showed what it means to rule when he knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples. And he said, go do likewise. Our king is a servant king, and that is how we rule when we are servant kings ourselves. Okay, so we rule the earth now as servants, not as those who are to be served, but those who are to serve. That is our calling, and that is what Jesus, our covenant head, our servant king, showed us, and that is how we rule, and that is what it means to truly be God's uh, representative and to rule the earth. Okay, that's God's definition of ruling the earth now as we are living on the earth. Okay. Any questions, comments? Yes. So before Christ came, what specifically was the temple of God? I will refer you to uh, Greg Beale's book. He wrote a big book on the temple. Uh, I think Travis has ref uh, mentioned it a few times, but Greg Beale wrote a big book on the temple, so you can definitely read that. It's a very, very long answer <laughs> to answer that question. Okay, so if you have any questions, you can definitely come and talk to me, but this is the end, and this is all about the covenants, what God has done in time, and how we find our place in God's plan 
and it is all through Christ. The answer is always Jesus. Okay, so just some resources if you're looking to learn read more. Um, there's a good book called Christ from Beginning to End. You can definitely read that. That's a very good book to see how Christ is from beginning to end. And finally, Progressive Covenantalism, which is, um, the title is uh, Charting a... A course, charting a course between dispensational and covenant theologies. Okay, so this is how we say, no, we're not completely on the side of dispensational, although certain things they say are true. But on the other hand, we're not completely on the side of covenant theology, although certain things they say are true. No, we want to understand everything through Christ. So when we understand everything through Christ, what does that mean? The same thing about Sabbath, the same thing about the food laws, the same thing about the Old Testament commandments, the same thing about priesthood, everything that's in the New Old Testament, we understand it through Christ. Okay, Without Christ, all of those are probably a bag of laws for us. But with Christ, they are God's promises. And finally, one more resource. There is so much to talk about, and my plan is to write about this. So if you have not subscribed, please subscribe to my website, and uh, you will find more articles about different aspects of the covenant. I meant to bring a uh, notepad for you to sign up, uh, but I forgot. But again, go on the website, jpcross.org, if you haven't signed up, sign up for it, and uh, you can get uh, the articles when I post them. All right, let's pray, and uh, we'll close. Father in heaven, we glorify you. And Lord, we are amazed at what you have done and how you have acted in history. And Lord, above all, we are amazed at your plan of salvation for us, which is through your son, Jesus. And Jesus, Lord, we thank you for all that you did for us, for coming down and taking the form of a slave and to be obedient which no one else in history could do. But Lord, you were obedient completely and obedient even to death on a cross. And Lord, we praise you for that. We glorify you and we thank you that because of our union with you, we can have access to the Father and we can enjoy all his promises. And Lord, we thank you that this was not our doing, but Lord, you chose us even before time and you have revealed yourself to us. We praise you, Lord, for this, and Lord, we pray for our service this morning, that you will bless it, and we will see your glory. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.